0: Welcome, my friends, to another episode of Is That Really Legal? with Eric Rubin. Today's guest is Dorothy Shaw. She's a writer, a published writer. You'll hear more about that. She wasn't always a writer. She was a reader, and we met at some conferences, and we talk about her journey, uh, attending conferences as a reader and a fan, and how she ultimately became a published author. Um, you should subscribe to this podcast. It's easy. Wherever you get fine podcasts, this is where you got this. Just subscribe. You can also review it on those places. You can write to me at isthatreallylegal.com. Go to that website and leave me a comment. Send it to me. I'd love to see it. Um and also enjoy a handful of Abe's muffins. Abe's muffins are allergen-free. They taste fantastic. They're great to stick in your kids' lunch. When you send them back to school, that's right. You're going to be sending those kids back to school with Abe's muffins. Uh, They're fantastic, so enjoy them. Um, Dorothy, you're going to just enjoy her. Uh, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. It's been a year since I started this podcast, roughly. So uh, I'm just excited to have so many great guests, and Dorothy Shaw is certainly one of them. Dorothy Shaw, welcome to. Is that really legal with Eric Rubin? I'm so happy to be talking to you today.
1: I'm happy to be talking to you too. It's been a long time.
0: And it has. You know, I don't know if it'll be in the intro or not, but I've I've known you for like 20 years, but I see I see you maybe five months out of our entire lives. I know. Every, every time we see each other, we are like in, right back to like the most intimate details of our lives and i won't go into them during this but you and i have shared some very turbulent intense times in our professional and personal lives but what what's been great from my point of view is that you were never like eric you're doing this all wrong or you've always been like just a great ear. um so let's i just want to throw that out there And thank you for that, because I feel like you and I are both in a really great place, at least as far as I know. I'll catch up with you. I know for me, I'm in a great place. Um, But I I just want to catch up and and talk about, first of all, I know you live, you're a giant blue dot in a vast wasteland of red. (laughs) But for people who don't know you, imagine... um, Uh, oh, the actress who started on Married with Children uh, was then like a badass biker gang leader. And now she's got a new, what's her name? Because I've just been reading a lot. I
1: think it's Katie Seagal.
0: Yeah, if anyone was going to play you in a movie, it's Katie Seagal, right? I mean, that's a no-brainer. The same way they would have to kind of take Jeff Goldblum and smush Alan Rickman into him a little bit. that would be me. I mean, yep. that's very self-aggrandizing of me. But uh, anyway, back to you. I
1: used to get Julia Roberts. Now I get Katie Segal. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, I could, I could see that, especially in the Aaron Brockovich, because you, you have a swagger that is not your typical Hollywood girl or woman. You, I don't even know if you ride a bike but you look like a chick who rides a bike or wants to be on the back of somebody else's bike. You have some really cool tattoos, one of which I have a tiny bit to do with, which we'll talk about at two. And folks, don't, don't go crazy. Believe me, it's got very little to do with me. There's nothing particularly interesting about me in the story. But anyway, back to you. Where did you start out living?
1: Um, I grew up in Danbury, Connecticut, only about 45 minutes outside of Manhattan. So that's where I was born and raised. And I lived there for, till I was, uh, I guess around 23. And then I lived in Dover, Delaware for a very small blink of an eye before moving to Arizona.
0: Right, and and you've lived in Arizona ever since. For 21 years. And uh, you know, my ex-junior partner now owning her own agency, uh, Shannon Orso lives out there too and we had a lot to say on that episode I'm not asking you to listen to it or if you had but I did I listened to I,
1: most oh. of it I listened to most of it At, so I, I, oh, She's here
0: yeah the last time I was in Arizona was probably then when I had gone to do that conference where I met her and you and I it might be the last time I saw you we had yeah. lunch
1: yeah. yeah we did I came out to see you up in Scottsdale yep
0: And we went to the restaurant that was part of the hotel, I believe. Mm -hmm. And there was a sign that you shouldn't bring guns in the bar. (laughs) And I was like, is this a joke? And then I heard, oh, no. No, No, that is not a joke, in fact. And I just, uh, it's so alien to my way of being. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm one of the few guys who most people know who actually has shot all kinds of weapons. My right. dad was a, a gun guy and I grew up with my own 22 rifle and then I shot my dad's pistols and he had a wide variety of them. So I know how to handle a gun. If someone handed me a gun, I know all about the safety, You know the difference between, you know, if there's a round in the chamber, making sure I clear the chamber, and, yeah, and yeah. how a revolver works, all, all this Those stuff. Things. Yeah, they're really important if you wanna you know, not kill yourself or your friends. Right. Um, But I have a healthy respect for them, which is I think doubly why it makes me in just, I can't understand people just walk around with them like a pen, it is not like a pen. But anyway, we may or may not go back to that. What took you to Arizona?
1: Um, My job at the time, so.
0: Ah. Do you wanna talk about what you did? Is it okay? Yeah, it's
1: totally fine. I mean, now there's this melding of my two worlds, right? So you know me as Dorothy, you've always known me as Dorothy, but Dorothy's my pen name. And, and I worked in corporate America for 25 years, so, and I had young kids, and when I started writing, I was writing, you know, I'm on the high heat index in my writing, and so I was concerned that, you know, in the event that I made it, you know, whatever <laughs> I really needed to kind of keep these worlds separate, and also, you know... I don't have to tell you this. Some men, some men are, are pigs and they think they can say what they want and do what they want because you write romance with sex in it. And so I really wanted to keep my kids safe. Um, so I chose a pen name, but I was working for bank of America at the time. Um, I, I did literally climb the corporate ladder from starting as a customer service phone rep all the way to when I left there as a VP. And then later on in my career, a director of technology. So, um, my job brought me out here. I was in a, what I call the practice marriage, my first husband, and we were, we were married for three years. And, um, and we, you know, we've just went our separate ways and he's off got remarried and has kids and is wonderfully happy in his life. And, um, you know, I moved to Arizona, dragged my, at the time he was eight, my son out here with me, he's almost 30. And, uh, and, you know, the rest is, not quite history yet, but I've I've been here ever since. Cause the weather, I think the weather's fantastic. So.
0: (laughs) You know, it's very interesting. I I feel like Arizona is a place I enjoy for small periods of a time. And then I can't. Like, first of all, it's very wide open and low. So yeah. very exposed. Like I like <laughs> tall buildings. I'm some kind of strange animal that likes to hide in the crevices. I don't do well with sunlight. I am like one of those pale things from under a rock too much sunlight. I burn, I peel and start the process over. So it's just not for me. Um, but it is beautiful. I feel like Arizona is like when I went to Utah once and I was on tour for Suzanne Brockman. I was, working for her and we stopped by the arches which is the national park it's gorgeous but they were having a heat wave and a heat wave at the arches means it was 120 degrees and i literally was in a, a minivan with the car you know was running and there's air conditioning blasting i slid open the minivan's door and it was as if i had opened a pizza oven
1: yeah
0: and i was like there's no way i'm leaving this van i was i was coping and I lasted maybe three minutes I could not breathe it was ridiculous so that's my Arizona was never that bad for me I'm sure you have your heat waves and like I said I saw you there last um but you you were you always a writer like as a kid no what what, how, how did the writing start for you
1: Accidentally, like most good things in my life, it starts accidentally. Um, I, didn't I love
0: that I, nobody has the same story. Yeah,
1: well, that's what's so cool. I mean, a lot of people I know were like, I've always always wrote when I was a kid. I wasn't a big reader as a child. Um, I did have a run of VC Andrews novels in high school because my best friend was a big reader, um, and she used to. You know, back then we <laughs> we had house phones. You and I are like dinosaurs, right? And I would, we would be on the phone late at night and she would be reading to me while I was on the phone. So I was listening to my audio books, you know, a la Marshall, my best friend in high school.
0: So you were on a phone with a wire attached to a wall. Oh yeah. With a cord. You were were miming that.
1: Yeah, definitely the long, you know, to the ear and, and I think I had a blue slim line in my bedroom. I people over 40 will know what that is. So maybe even yes, yeah, over 40. Maybe but a princess. I did. De- I never had the princess one. My sister did, but I, I had a slimline because those were cooler. Um, of course, she always hit the buttons with your face then. But anyway, so Marsha used to read to me, and then um, I started watching True Blood when it came out on HBO, right in right in the early 2000s, and. Um, that led me to Charlene harris's books and then i read everything i could then and then that introduced me to um, my ex-husband now my ex-husband at the time he was a tattoo artist we were married and he had a client who was an aspiring author so um we went and had drinks with nikki and and she actually this is the reason i'm a writer is because of twitter she got us on Twitter. This was early days, Twitter back, you know, it was like second version Twitter. Most people don't even know what the hell that looked like. And, um, it crashed all the time then. And you, if you called too many API calls, like if you spent too much time on Twitter, it would lock you out. You'd go to Twitter jail. So, uh, I met her and a bunch of other aspiring authors. Some of them I'm still friends with today and, um, some have made it, some are still plugging along and, um, and that's when I, they said, you can write. They all wanted to know the story about how my ex-husband and I met. And so I wrote this seven-part series about how Wookiee and I met. And they all said, you have a voice. You can write. And I said, you guys are crazy. I can't write. And and then I wrote about 180 poems in a year. And so it just started in me. And then I couldn't stop.
0: When you and I met, I don't know why. And I don't know if this is accurate. I And you don't have to. You may or may not remember. I feel like we met at the Marriott in New York, but it could be not that.
1: So we did have coffee at the Marriott. We met in 2012, actually, in Los Angeles at RT. I
0: think I may never have left the hotel. Wait, was that the hotel that was like the Logan's Run hotel?
1: It was down in in downtown LA. That's where they
0: shot Logan's Run. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it had the cement columns. and the round bar in the center. Oddly enough was across the street from Union Bank, MUFG, which I ended up working for before I, that was my last job. But um, that's where we met. And it was because of my tattoo, because you saw the vampires on my arm.
0: Yeah, so um, I don't know if I had tattoos at that point. I was pretty new to tattoos. None that you could see. I, Uh I honestly don't remember when I got my first one. Um, and several around my back, so you can't really or shoulders. The one I, that you see the most is this koi fish I have that I got when I was 50. So how old was I when I was 50? Oh, no, I had them then. Okay, well, in any event, okay. I wore long sleeves. You probably couldn't see them.
1: I didn't um, see them, but we started talking. That was what started the conversation.
0: Right, and then you, you your, your vampire tattoos, if I'm not mistaken, are based on the Black Dagger Brotherhood. which is a series by J.R. Ward. Yes. And you, when I told you, oh, I know J.R., she's a friend of mine. and I don't mean friend like we hang out, but just for people who don't know, uh, when I worked for Suzanne Brockman, um, I met a lot of cool people. One of the people I met was J.R., who had been going through a very tough time with her writing. I think she's a lawyer. She was writing a different kind of romance. She was ready to hang it up. And she said, screw it, I'm going to write the one thing I really, really wanted to write, which was vampires. And this is an important story, boys and girls, because everyone told her, oh, vampires have been done to death. I mean, the Sookie Stackhouse stuff had just happened. Before that, we had the glittery teen vampires. I mean, vampires were really, if you ask me, I'd say they were done to death. But she had a completely different take, a completely different voice, and she hit the jackpot Yep. And and by the way, I don't mean to say she was lucky, but of course she was lucky. I mean, there is some luck in There's
1: always a little bit of luck in the midst of that. But she's... A, how you get there.
0: Right, but she's got an incredible talent and she did the right things. And everybody, like it completely changed the course of her life and her career. And you were one of her fans. Like you were, you were, <laughs> you were very she, she, excited she to meet her. her-
1: She's the only author that I get starstruck with.
0: And I said, oh, you should meet her. I'll introduce you. And you went from Chicago. Right. And, and, oh, I introduced you in Chicago. Okay. So that was after that. Okay. Yeah. Chicago was the place I never left. Another RT, I think.
1: Well, we Um, didn't leave. Not at RT's. Why would you leave? There was so much going on. Yeah. There's never a reason to leave RT.
0: Right. And so people know what RT is. It's the Romantic Times Book Lovers Convention, which I don't think exists anymore. And what was great about that place was it was not just writers, but it was also fans and also the people who were starting to be writers. And and it was a very friendly place. I mean, there was certainly an element of too much friendly and perhaps (laughs) drinking a little too much. I won't, I'm not gonna call out anybody, maybe myself. I had a few nights where I happily went into the elevator before I said the wrong thing. I might've even said the wrong thing a few times. I'm just gonna let that go. But in any event, um, there was a signing and you were like, I really want her signature on my arm underneath this character. And I was like, we're gonna make that happen. And you are, I have to say, there's many words to describe you. Um, you're a very, your physical presence. You're, I mean, uh, look, I'm not hitting on this person. Okay. I've said a million times how happily married I am. And you and I are really great friends, but you're a very attractive person. You're very noticeable. You're confident. You have a dance background, if I'm not mistaken. You really know how to move through time and space. And I just, when I see you, uh, confidence is what I think. When I said, come on, let's go meet her. And we saw her across a giant room you became like a 10-year-old girl oh who was just God. like freaking out.
1: It was so fun
0: for me. It was fun for me because... You were
1: like, did you eat? And I was like, no, if I eat, I'm going to throw up. And-,
0: <laughs> and she was so great, right? She was like, hi, Eric, there? whatever. I-, I don't remember that you... Whatever. I remember
1: all of it. I mean, I remember like, <laughs> it was the greatest day of my life, Eric. You really look- and you were a part of that. But I mean, oh, that's sweet. you and me and you with her and me with her and I look like I'm... <laughs> freaking out because i was freaking out
0: yeah it's actually on my facebook i'll have to post that as part of this um but yeah there's a picture of me with her and then you with her and she signed your arm and you got that inked so her signature is tattooed onto your arm you're yeah. showing me now we, we don't do the video oh that's really good yeah and so you have like a half sleeve on that arm i guess yeah. i'd say that um and were you always into tattoos or was that a result of marrying the wookie at, no, uh,
1: I was always into tattoos. I had a handful of tattoos before he and I met. And then, you know, he covered some of them up and put new things and d- just added to them. So now I don't have a tattoo artist because <laughs> we are divorced.
0: Forced to, to that. So and we don't up.
1: talk. I would still have uh, him tattoo me, but we don't, we're not, you know, we're not, we're very estranged right now. I'm sorry. That uh, does suck. Because he was a good, you know, he, he was my plotting partner too. I mean, he was... We had a very good friendship.
0: He was your what partner?
1: My plotting partner.
0: Gotcha. You know,
1: books, let me tell you.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, you and I have that in common, I guess. I have had two marriages that ended perfectly with divorce. (laughs) And I'm on what I like to call my third and final marriage to Holly, which has had uh, fascinating stories that I won't share with the listeners now. But I get it. It's like... um, when you're with someone for a while, even when it's not good, there's a whole chunk of history that just sort of sloughs, sloughs off and it's gone. And if that person, you know, I wasn't really tight with my first two what But if you, you know, I could see how that could be difficult. Is there somebody in your life right now, I allowed to ask that?
1: There is. He is my most difficult relationship. I call him... Um, and I don't know if you you probably haven't even seen a picture of him, but I probably talked to him about you when you were, talked to you about him when he was here. Um, we have been together for seven years and then he lived in LA and I finally got him out here. Oh my God. I think
0: I know who this is. This is someone that you were like, I don't, I'm not going to quote, cause there was some very personal stuff, but you were so attracted to him, let's say on a chemical level in yeah. a way that you've never been attracted like to. Like we somebody. write
1: about in books, like how does that even happen? We write about it in books, but it doesn't really happen, but it happens. <laughs>
0: What's interesting for meeting my wife, Holly, and by the way, for people who are listening, going, what does this have to do with law or creativity? You should yeah. know this, this podcast is about everything and nothing. If you have a problem, go to isthatreallylegal.com and jot me a note about why you hate this podcast or why you love it. But anyway, back to this. When I met my wife, we were both in other relationships, but we sat down at a, a Korean restaurant. She opened it up. By the way, we remember being there with a bunch of friends, but we only also remember just each other. She opened up a menu, said, this is what we're getting. This is how we're getting it. She shut it, put it down. And I was like, oh, it is on. (laughs) And she uh, and I would have a lot of the same friends and we'd always end up at the same places together and always sat across from each other. And it was just like the universe was telling us, will you just end those crappy relationships that aren't working because this is who you want to be with. And I, I, I've told the story. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast when we were both single, we started dating, but I was living in Boston. She was in New York. We went out on, on several friend dates that always felt very sparky and exciting. And one day I just moved in for a kiss at the end of the date and she gave me her cheek. And I was like, look, I don't want to be a jerk, but I thought that things were really great. Am I, you know, tell me if I'm missing the whole whatever. And she said, like yesterday, I remember, she motioned to herself, her whole body, and she said, if you want this, you need to move to New York. And Ooh. and that's what happened. And the rest is, in I'm fact.
1: Like, <laughs> it took me a bit longer to get him to Arizona. but
0: Oh, you got him to come to Arizona.
1: Yeah, because I mean, I, uh, I, my kids are here, and I couldn't move my kids, so right. there was was no other option. He had to come. Here. Now, I,
0: I, dancing. I want to back up a second. Yeah. Were you always a dancer?
1: From age four. Um, and
0: and when I, I started say
1: dancing until I was seventeen.
0: So when I say dance, what do you mean when you say dance? Because, you know, I used to do theater and whatever. So Tap,
1: jazz, and ballet.
0: Okay. The, the classic performing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some tap. I was at a Disney, a giant Disney audition for Broadway where they were doing three different shows. And they had a whole bunch of people come in and I was one of them. And I sang and I crushed it. And I did the reading and I crushed it. And I did the dance and I got crushed. And at the end, the head of Disney casting in New York pulled me aside and said, Eric, you are funny. I love your voice. I need you to go learn how to tap dance. I'm like, great. I'm a musician. By the way, people, if you've never met me, I'm 6'3". I am not tiny or slight. (laughs) And uh, I wouldn't say I have a dancer's body. But I thought, tap dancing? How hard can this be? (laughs) Like a moron. So I go to New York's premier dance study place. It's on Broadway in in the 70s called Steps on Broadway. It is so old school. They have piano players for the ballet. Okay. Not music. They have piano players. Yeah. I take tap. I take about a year of tap. I still can't do a time step. So that just never happened. Yeah. I know. Look at, you're like, really? Are you, are you, do you have a problem? I do. In fact, I have a dancing problem. Maybe I need you to teach me.
1: I don't know. It's, I'm like, well, I mean, I took tap the whole 13 years I danced. That was my thing. I didn't take ballet until years later. My mother did not want me to take ballet for various reasons. But then she, you know, she finally relented when I was an early teen. But
0: God, if, if I were a good dancer, I could have crushed in terms of romance because all the guys in there are gay. All the women are incredibly attractive and fit. And all you need to be is the straight guy who'll hang out with them who'd be half decent shape. I mean, you could just burn through there like a wildfire. I know it's not appropriate, people, but it's just what came to my mind. I mean, it's, it's like Bob Fosse. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that we emulate a drug addict, alcoholic, serial womanizer. It just came up in my mind. Okay, things come up, and I say them, and maybe that's not great. So let's get back to you. So you write you Did you write this series about a tattoo artist and romance? How no, what I've was never that?
1: Written, I've never written a series about a tattoo artist. So, I mean, when I started writing,
0: what was that first series or first? Oh, the
1: first, my first book or my first yeah. series.
0: Okay, well, let me back up because you told people. When you when you started writing and you told people they were like oh my god you're a great writer what was it that you were working oh, on Oh I they,
1: wrote the story of how my ex husband and I met Okay and how we started dating and it was a little bit of a tumultuous story so I just wrote wrote it out for we were kind of these characters on Twitter he was Wookie and I was Wookie's girl. And that's what J.R. Ward remembered my name from uh, her online signings. And then I really had a heart attack, right? Because she was like, oh my God, you're Wookiee's girl. And then like everybody goes, is Wookiee here too? And I was like, no, he's not here. (laughs) (laughs) It's just me. So she really wanted to meet him. But- um,
0: Well, who doesn't want to meet someone whose nickname is Wookiee? Well, she
1: loves Star Wars. and, And like, you know, she was just so like excited. And I had- a hard, you know, like a nervous breakdown over that because, oh my God, she remembered. And still to this day, I do her online signings and I always put in parentheses, formerly Wookiee's girl. No, I haven't
0: talked and to her in a while. Name. I hope she's doing great. I hope the books she are going said, well for her.
1: Oh, yeah, she just had a release um, last Tuesday and I haven't started reading it yet and it's driving me crazy. Well, I haven't okay. had the time to read it. But um, so I just wrote that story. It was just a, the true story about how we met and it was grammatically a mess. Um, but that's where my friends felt that I had a voice. And so after that, it was about a year and a half of writing, like I said, a lot of poetry. And um, and then I started writing what I thought, in my mind, I'm very methodical, right? So I'll write a short story. I wrote a couple thousand word, two thousand word short stories. And then my goal was I'm going to write a novella. And at this point, I'm kind of getting into the book world because I'm also... I don't know if you know this but a bit of an extrovert so i start going to conventions and well he- we
0: talked a lot i do remember <laughs> that you were very friendly
1: i yeah I'm, I'm friendly
0: well no and i mean that So people need to understand first of all when when you're a literary agent as i was um there were people who were friendly who were inappropriate like yeah. i was shocked i was shocked what people were willing to do to make my acquaintance or yeah. to be my friend and I literally had someone invite me to their room I don't when at the Marriott. And and by the way, I'm not saying I have game or anything. I'm just saying that's not something that as an agent you should do. Or right. as a writer you should do.
1: Right, and, and there I am. I remember meeting you thinking, well, he's an agent. And I'm like, a, in, like I'm an embryo. Like I have no business talking to him about anything. And we didn't talk about my writing for a few years.
0: No, right? no, not at all. You were just being as far as I knew, you were just a fan of romance. So it was really very comfortable to hang with you because you were never going to suddenly pull out a 300-page manuscript.
1: Can you read this for me? Like, I I remember you were like, why haven't you sent me your writing? I'm like, well, you you never asked. Like, I'm not just going to send you my writing.
0: People never (laughs) ask. They just send you.
1: I'm just like, I don't, you know, I'm trying to be appropriate. I'm very methodical. Like I said, like, well, I'm going to, I don't pick, why would I pitch to an agent? I don't have anything to pitch to an agent. I'm by,
0: a baby. By the way, I once had someone, because I read their stuff and said, well, this is cool and whatever, I give this with you, they held me out as their agent and I had to write to them, I'm not your agent. Not and that. then I'd never talk to them again. By the way, they're pretty well known in certain circles. So it was like amazing that this happened. They're a little wacky too. So you meet a lot of interesting people.
1: There, writers are very interesting people, and <laughs> many of them are introverted, and some are hiding things in the closet you don't want to know about, but it all, it, that's what makes for good writing, too. But, so yeah, but
0: I, uh, people are going to say, enough, Eric, what about Dorothy? So what,
1: I, well, what so I started, happened next? So I thought, okay, well, I'll write a novella, and the novella turned into a novel, which turned into a series. So as that character, and, and, you know, you write what you know, especially when you're new. So I wrote about a, you know, a a tattooed redhead who works in the corporate world, but she's from the wrong side of the tracks. Now, I'm not from the wrong side of the tracks, but this girl was. So there was a lot about her that I could emulate from me that I could put into her. But then, as you know, they take on their own life. And so that that story kind of broke up into a, a series, and that's my first series. So there's three books out in it, and I haven't been able to go back and put anything new into it in a few years. Um,
0: What's that series called?
1: It's called The Donnellys. So it's an Irish Catholic family out of California, and there's 10 siblings. And, and each adult <laughs> sibling that's not already married will have a book. And then probably some beyond that maybe a backstory of the parents. But the the theme around the story is, you know, um, normal doesn't mean perfect, right? And so there's alcoholism, there's, you know, broken pickers picking the wrong relationships, ending up with the wrong people, lots of struggles as they figure out how to do life. I love um, angsty romance. I love the rip your heart out kind of romance. I'm not a, I mean, if I could, and this will get me crucified, if I could write romance without a happy ending, which is just Nicholas Sparks, but... In my opinion, that's yeah, more- not romance.
0: Most right. people would it's say not, that's not romance.
1: Not romance. It's not romance without a happy ending. Something I else. It's erotica. You can do erotica, and and make it fit. But um, I like to write about broken people trying to figure out how to fix their life and be in a relationship because that's real life. And you know, you know, there's two kinds of readers out there. There's a reader that needs the happy romance, the 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 lovey romance, the pretty in pink. Um, with no misery, where the angst is outside of the two main characters. They need that because it makes them feel better about their life. Mm-hmm. And then there's the reader who wants to read the angsty stuff, wants to read about the gut-wrenching, broken relationship because it also makes them feel better about their life. And they also f- feel not alone. I, I have a-, a short story I give out at conventions now for free and, um, and it doesn't have a happy ending. And I c- always can tell my readers, because well, here's a little free short story. I have a one. It's an erotic horror, and then I have a no happy ending love story. And and the sick ones, like me, I call them sick. The sick ones, like me, go, "Ooh, gimme, gimme, gimme." They want, they want to cry. They want to read that and, and feel that angst.
0: I think it's like movies. Like uh, for me, it depends on the situation. Uh, after the pandemic and all the Nazis coming out of the woodwork stuff that we dealt with. I cannot watch sad movies right now and by the way, you know I'm a heavy movie guy usually I, I, I was an actor, producer, I like the artsy stuff. I need dancing singing teacups. I cannot handle like I watched uh, Nomad Land and I was like, oh I can't do this anymore. However, maybe someday but like there are people okay, here's a great example. my wife, we don't live that far from Coney Island. You can get there in a little bit in Brooklyn as you can if you hear the siren, um, <laughs> on cue. Um, we go to Coney Island sometimes, and I will do the Wonder Wheel, which is like a giant Ferris wheel, but sometimes the things move inside of it a little bit. Okay, that's great. My wife wants to do the lie down on the, the, the um, roller coaster that you lie down on, and then you might go flying off at any time. It's like, that stuff scares the crap out of me. I don't why would anybody do that? That's like when they want to know where the tanks are, they strap you on that machine to tell them where the troops are, whatever. It's, you know, everybody does their thing. So... Uh,
1: I have to tell you, I, and I don't, I don't want to get deeply into it, but my sister, I lost my sister in November of 2019.
0: Oh, I'm, um, I'm so sorry.
1: So So, and there's history there behind that, but I lost my sister, and then I, and 20 days later, I lost her husband, who they were married for 30 years. So that's like a Greek, like you can't write that stuff. Right. And then the pandemic hit. So I can't, I honestly can't, I could probably read something gut wrenching, but I can't watch too intense, too seriously. I'm like all about watching teen romance movies or the sappy, you know, 27 dresses, romance movies. Mm-hmm. My poor Will's probably like, Oh my God, Michelle, can we please watch something of substance? And I can't do it. So I get what you're saying. Like, I, I just, it's, too much. I, it's uh, too
0: much. Maybe we'll go back to it. I, I don't know. Um, would,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: It's going to be a while for, uh, I, and I understand why for you, uh, especially. And I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, you know, I have, I, yeah, I got nothing other than uh, well, I'm glad that you're okay. okay.
1: I'm okay, and, you know, it just is one of those things that can happen in life that I never thought I would have to go through, um, and I'm still mourning. And and so, you know, I had to write a book after that happened because I was on deadline for Kensington's lyrical side, so I actually was able to, to pump out a book. Um,
0: what that can be, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Patton Oswalt, who's a stand-up comic, uh, his first wife died very suddenly of an, I believe it was an accidental drug overdose of a variety of pills that she was suffering certain things. She had no interest in killing herself. It was just completely accidental. And she was finishing up this book about a real-life murder mystery, um, which there's an HBO special or something on it, and people can check that out. It's really great. But when I saw Patton do a stand-up special after, he talked about you can put your misery into your art. You just can't get out on stage and go, I'm miserable and talk about yourself. But if you find the way to use it, like a blues musician, and I think that's what he said, like a blues musician doesn't get up there and go, I'm going to tell you about the 20 worst years of my life. No, he just like starts playing a one, four, five, and he he gives it to you in his song. Um, And I'm not... I'm not saying so just get over it and write your book. Yeah. I'm I'm I don't think there is such a thing as tough love by the way. There's no. love and there's not love. But anyway, um you you know some people can make it work for them and clearly you were able to do that.
1: Well, honestly, it I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I could I couldn't use any of that for the book. Um, because the book had to follow a plot that had absolutely nothing to do with what happened. Um, I did get to put some of that emotion, a lot of that emotion, into what happens to the character and her reaction to what's happening. Um, But even that, I I did kind of shortchange it because it was so sensitive, right? I had to go back in and kind of add more. But I I do know that, you know, everything that happens to us, and, and Megan Hart, who is a very good friend of mine. She has at one time been on the New York Times bestsellers list. She is some incredible angsty, any angsty reader pretty much knows her writing. Um, She was, you know, we've all had our, I haven't had my rise in the romance world, but she had a very big rise in the romance world and then, you know, kind of coasted slowly back down. I want to, I got to interrupt you.
0: Are you published?
1: Yes. Yes. And
0: you're, you just dropped Kensington down there. Like it was nothing. Kensington is a New York publisher, isn't it?
1: It is. all All right. It's
0: Sorry. I got to be my lawyer for a minute and go, okay, that's good. I have no further questions at this time. You're doing fine.
1: I'm still, very, I'm still very humble. That's the other thing is I might be, you know, a, a huge extrovert, but I am very humble and very realistic about where I am in my writing career, and I'm still not where I want to be. But maybe someday that'll happen. Maybe it won't. But you know what? I, I keep writing because that's what, that's what we do.
0: Do you have an agent, by the way?
1: I do not have an agent.
0: There was a time when I, I actually think I, I've i never been as aggressive in trying to get someone to be my client as I think I might've been with you. Cause I thought we were a very compatible couple that way. And you, you rejected me and I don't I have a problem not with it. I
1: reject you. I don't, I did not reject you. You said,
0: me. I don't want you, Eric Rubin, leave me alone. <laughs> and I was, I cried a little bit and I, and I said, this is not attractive. Women don't want a crying agent. And I said, okay. And then I tried to play hard to get, and you didn't notice. So that's just, I, nothing I know, happened.
1: You just got over <laughs> me, so quickly. How did you do that? I had someone say that to me once. You just got over me so fast. And I was like, you didn't want to be with me. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> People are insane, by the way. I'm, you and I are no exception. Uh, oh, so you I don't had have an agent. Two
1: agents. I've had two agents and I parted ways with both of them. One of them I'm still uh, friends with, which she's a mutual acquaintance of ours. Um, I haven't spoken to her.
0: Before. Oh my God! Do I know? I
1: you know Donna?
0: Yes. Okay. I haven't heard from her either.
1: No, and so I'm worried that, about.
0: Uh, well, whole...
1: I don't know if I, I don't know, I don't know if I should be worried or not worried. I just know that if I get on the phone with her, it's gonna. I have to commit like three hours because it's gonna. She's take a talker.
0: Time. She's a well, talker. I
1: am too. So we have to hear her stuff, and then we got to hear my stuff, and sometimes we go back and forth. And you and I would end up on the phone for hours too, like that. But.
0: She's so also, love, by the way, incredibly brilliant, oh, knows a lot.
1: Well, I and, love her. She's somebody yeah. else that I also just immediately became friends with. And we were friends before she was ever my agent. Yeah. And, um, so she's great at a
0: conference too. There are some people it's just great to like, oh my God, I gotta get a drink, sit here with you for two hours. This yep. is what my next two hours is. Anyway.
1: So she, so I I'm I'm agent less, but I'm not looking, I don't have anything to offer an agent right now. I mean, I made, I don't make enough money off my writing to, to even think about splitting it or to make it beneficial for the amount of work an agent has to do, right? I mean, I have a business head.
0: I know, but I'm going to, I'm going to, this is good for the kids to hear Yeah. that, you know, there's the possibility that an agent would be interested in you because they see you've laid the groundwork already. They don't have to teach you stuff. What they want to do now is say, okay, good. I got it. You're not you're not retaining me for your stuff at this level. You're retaining me so that we can come up with some new stuff to take you to the next level. Right. It's a shame I'm not agent because that was so great. I felt so solid in saying that to you.
1: I know. Well, so that's the thing is I'm also a businesswoman, right? I mean, I spent right. three years in corporate America. So I understand how the business works and I understand how the game works, the game, right? But I also understand what I you know why would i waste some it's a lot of time for an agent to to shop you if i can't be in my seat every night writing anymore and i'm not i mean i spent 10 years not sleeping right hey that's part of why
0: i'm not an agent anymore when holly got sick and thank god she's okay now but when she got sick i had to make a decision i was going to spend as much time with her and then what was the rest of my time going to be i couldn't represent people in essence on the possibility we might make money like I had to make money so that when I wasn't working, all my time was with Holly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was it, you know, that was just the calculus, boom. So I, I get it. You ha- are the a mom. Yeah. You are a partner of some kind yeah. with your person. His and-
1: <laughs> He just walked in. <laughs> and I was giving him shit yesterday because he called me his partner to a stranger. I'm like, that's what you call me to people? Like really?
0: What should he call you, girlfriend?
1: Well, that's what I am because he won't marry me. So,
0: lover. Do people say lover? Uh, right over there. <laughs> he used to
1: call me his lady friend, but then I well, would that's tell.
0: nice. <laughs> 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 he
1: would tell everybody at work that I was his partner. And I said, "Do people know I'm a woman? Because they're all gonna." Oh, they're
0: gonna, gonna, think, gonna I, think he's gay.
1: Everybody's gonna think he's well He's well-mannered.
0: <laughs> I would totally think he... I mean, I haven't met him, and I've I have very good radar. I mean, you know, like 50 years in show business, I. Time to know but I would uh I would if somebody says oh I'm going to go meet my partner at something I'd be like oh gay I didn't know they were gay that would be my thing but I used to call my wife my girlfriend when we weren't married and she'd right. be like I don't like that because yeah, I'm not a girl
1: I'm not 16 but yeah I don't exactly know call him, so I will call him my boyfriend sometimes I'll call him my husband it depends on if I'm talking to a guy that I know is gonna be an idiot <laughs> so well, then I'll say because that's the stuff women have to do you know like well or
0: you know, and even that may not stop the really determined yeah, right. idiot.
1: As, as we know, some people are just idiots. But <laughs> so yeah, he just walked in. I'm in the bedroom because I don't have an office anymore because he works. Ah, really gotcha. So he has the office.
0: Well, I'm in my bedroom because we are in. We're renovating our apartment. We're moving back literally tomorrow. So we have a one bedroom on a different floor now, and we're moving back into our two bedroom. Yeah. I, I have a castle for Brooklyn. People have no idea a two bedroom, two bath in a really in a movie star neighborhood, literally like movie stars when in my neighborhood. I'm in
1: the city. I'm gonna. Like, we have to get. Yeah,
0: to absolutely.
1: You know, notice I've lived here 21 years. I still call it the city because that's what it is. It's the city. No one else out here knows what the hell I'm talking about. But.
0: No, because no, for okay. So if you're not from New York, people don't say Manhattan. They call it the city. And when people go, I'm going into the city. They only mean Manhattan, even though there's five boroughs. Okay.
1: Yeah, they don't mean Boston. They don't mean.
0: Well, and they don't mean Brooklyn or Queens. They mean city. They mean. mean, Right. Even. And so I live in Brooklyn. So we could meet in. What's funny is we could meet in the city or you could come out here to Brooklyn.
1: Well, I'm usually coming down from Danbury, Connecticut. So.
0: Whatever. It'll be lovely. We should definitely do that. And
1: where. well, anyway, that doesn't matter. I was gonna.
0: People are gonna love this podcast. Because uh, we're all over
1: it, like pink. So <laughs> back to back to writing. I um I, I didn't sleep for ten years. I would literally, and thank Ugh. God, I went from home. But I would go to bed about two a.m. every night, and I would get up around eight thirty nine for my first morning meeting. Work all day, do kids stuff. I'm also very active in twelve step recovery, and so that was a huge part of. It still is a huge part of my life. And then about 10 o'clock at night, 10 30 at night, I would sit down to write. And so I did that for 10 years. And I think I, you know, what, like six novels, three novellas, you know, it's, but like by the end of that 10 years, I was like, I don't, I need a break. Like I can't. Do you understand
0: people who are bored? I do not understand people who are bored. I'm like, I right. have no
1: time to write. I'm like, don't talk to me about, it. you don't have time to write. You have time to write when you make time to write. And that's that's the discipline. That's what Megan Hart taught me. I don't care about the muse. And this is gonna maybe upset some people. Don't, no, I, this, I love
0: talking about this. Don't Please.
1: tell me. But some people will be like, but I have a muse. Like, good, is he cooperating today? No, what you're not gonna write because your muse won't cooperate. There's like, sit down and write. That's how, this is a job. You wanna be successful, you have to discipline yourself. You have to write no matter what's going on. And and sometimes, you know, your guts are getting ripped out because life is happening and you're on deadline and you got to write. The only exception is maybe when somebody dies, they go, okay, we'll move the date. Other than that, they don't care that you got a work up. They don't care that you're- I think kidding. there's a
0: blend of this. My personal take is if you don't feel the muse that day, you start writing and the muse will show up. And, and I feel- song. Yeah, and I also think that A lot of times people start writing and they don't like what's coming out. That is just part of flushing the system or maybe you're wrong. Maybe this is what you're supposed to be writing. Don't say no to it because the whole thing will dry up. That's my thing. And I I do music writing these days Mm -hmm. and I have lots of half songs that like I just do it until it seems to be done. And I'm like, I look at it and go, I don't like this. It's like, that's okay. It's in the book. You'll revisit it. It might become something else. Don't say no to the muse because that's how you lose it. Right. You know, it, ultimately creativity will go. Oh, I guess I guess we don't live here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when the <laughs> I, mean,
1: I, I slowed down one because I was tired, and two, it slowed down meaning I I wrote six days a week, sometimes seven, depending. And I this was also before Will was living here, so I was traveling back and forth to L.A. every other week. Now, it's only an hour flight, but literally work all week, get on a plane, get, you know, and then I would be up writing at night, poor guy, like, are we going to bed? Like, well, you go to bed, I got to write, like, I have to, this is something I have to, you know, understand, you know, like, I, I need to, if I want this to work. So I did slow down. And then the last book I wrote was, I have a canine series and, <laughs> not set out to write a canine series so people
0: are clear that does not mean she has a bestiality series that is not no, what she's saying because by know. the way i've seen some crazy stuff out there
1: there is <laughs> shapeshifters
0: I, uh... and whatever don't write me that's not what this is about so explain your canine series so the for canine
1: series so so i will say i'll finish the donnelly's has multiple books coming there's a book written it's the fourth book i'm gonna rewrite the entire book because it's a shit show Literally. Um, and that was right when I was really needing a break. So I, I, my editor, Tara Gaden who has been my editor since I had published with Sam Hain, which is no longer in, in being, but <laughs> Tara and I work way together. So She's continued to edit me. So she really wanted me to write a mainstream book and I am very edgy in my writing. And, um, and I've been told this many times by, by many editors. And so I get it. I'm never going to write for the mainstream and that's okay. I have a very distinct audience. It might be really small, but they're still not. But so Terrace is really urging me to write a mainstream book. So I plot like, okay, fine. What's popular. And she's like, I don't know, animals and police officers. I'm like, okay, a canine officer and a veterinarian. And I <laughs> plot this book that the, the, the plot is so thin, you can see through it. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I, I write up a proposal and I send like here and she sends it to where she was working at the time and they reject it. And I was like, good, because I didn't want to write that book anyway. And then she was contracting with Lyrical, with Kensington's Lyrical line. So she sent it to Martin, who's not with them anymore, but she sent it to Martin and Martin said, I love it. Can she write three? And we'll go with the canine theme because we already have a veterinarian theme. And so when a publisher from New York comes back to you and says, can you write three books and make them canine, you say, yes, Yes. of course I'll write you three books.
0: (laughs) How soon do you need it?
1: You don't say no, you say yes. So then I'm like, what the frig am I writing? So I write this very cheesy see-through plot book. And I still, to this day, I'm like, oh, that book. Now, some people have read it and love it. I think it's horrible. And I wrote it, but... You know, it's not a bad book. It's just very thin. I mean, you could just see through the plot. Michelle, you know.
0: Dorothy, excuse me. I, you're That's not doing okay. a great job of moving your product.
1: I know, I know. It's <laughs> but I'm, I'm so honest about it, right? So, so then I write the second book, and then I write the second book has, is is all my kind of book, right? It's a right. woman with fertility issues who's you know starting her life over in her late 30s. Did and, you say
0: fertility or fragility?
1: Fertility. Thank you you know, drinking herself into a stupor in the bathtub and thinks that her life is over because she can't have children, All you know. So I, that's the kind of angst I want to write where she's got to figure out who she is and where she stands in order right. to get happy ever after. So that's the second book. Now, the canine readers are like, where's the canine stuff? Like, well, because they're not actually <laughs> canine books. <laughs> they're not really, there's not, I mean, I put a little bit of police work in there because I had to, but they're not that kind. They are just, they're contemporary romance books. The theme happens to be canine. So the third book is the one I wrote last year after my sister passed, and um, and it has literally no police work in it because I thought, well, screw it, I don't even care at this point. I'm just going to write what I need to write, where the stories are, where the story went, what these two characters' story is, and that's it. And so that comes out in June.
0: <laughs> and what's what's the title of it?
1: The title of the third book is called Trusting the Badge.
0: Okay, well, it sounds like there is a police quality to it. I want to say, you know, Dorothy, you're very funny. I'll bet you readers, listeners, rather, you're going to want to read Dorothy's book because Dorothy Shaw, Trusting the Badge, out from Kensington?
1: It's out from Kensington's lyrical line, their lyrical press line, which is their digital line, but you can get it in print on demand. Sure. And
0: look, everybody is doing downloadable online ebooks whatever. That's how I sold a lot of my best when I was a an agent. The person the first person I got from nobody ever heard of them to the New York Times list. We got a deal at Avon that was ebook only and suddenly they were like, "You know what? This is going great. We're putting it out in paperback." And then holy crap, they hit the list. Yeah. And we sold sold many I they they went with a different agency at the beginning of 2014. It's 2021 now. I still get checks and That's I get crazy. not insignificant checks, um, which dulls a little bit of the pain. Getting fired by that client is hard, but they went to a much bigger agency. So yeah. it's like, you know, I'm a,
1: getting paid. You're still getting paid.
0: What do you do? um that's a whole other conversation about the business. The fact that you've been doing this without an agent, did you is the Kensington stuff, was that agented or not? It agented? was
1: not agented because it was their digital line. And that's really where the whole ebook thing broke the world open. Because you know yeah. you still need an agent to go full on traditional. If I migrated over to the what I call the big girl side of Kensington, I would need an agent or at least an agent. Now, of course, I love You might that. just need a lawyer. I love law, so I'm like, I'll read the contract. I'm good. You know, I well, went back and forth with them on their their digital contract because there were some things in there that I didn't like that I was like, I don't know about that. I'm not well, here today. This is an
0: opportunity for me to say that I just did some work for a writer who got out of a contract thanks to me, who is tangential to the law business, did a lot of law stuff. And they didn't get in trouble, but they reached a point where they realized they really needed a lawyer to do something. I'm not saying you're not great and that you wouldn't oh, no, be okay. No. I
1: also know my limits, right? Like where I'm like, who can I call?
0: I'm just saying don't do your own dentistry, you know? Yeah, no, right? <laughs> it's not going to end out great. I, the only time I saw it where they had to was that Tom Hanks movie. Where he was on an island, what was that called? Uh, and yeah, yeah he's like he, castaway, and he had to take a skate and it cut his good. like wisdom tooth out or something. It did not look fun. No, it was not hygienic, no, and um, he lost a lot of weight, which yeah. may not be bad for me, but you should not be doing that. And you don't have to
1: on the island. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. He was not worried about getting his cardio. Did you yeah. notice that no. for you people at home who are worried about you your cardio?
1: need any cardio, go he, for a walk.
0: He handled his sugar problem. <laughs> there was no C's candy on the other not, side of not the island. Unlike
1: me. <laughs>
0: uh, oh my goodness. So, All right.
1: Yeah, I have a book coming out in June and then I, I quit my job. That's the last part of this, right? I quit my, my corporate job over the summer and I opened a, a brick and mortar CBD store. Wow. <laughs> you're like, what?
0: What? Well, I was, to be honest, so people know, I was looking down because I'm I've got to figure we're almost running out of time here.. Wow, it was 9/12. and And so I'm like, you opened a brick and mortar compact disc music? No. <laughs> is that what you're saying?
1: I love you, Eric. CBD, which is Oh,
0: CBD. I am the least hit person on the planet. I do know what CBD is. Mm -hmm
1: okay and so that's for all of us old people with their aches and pains
0: but what i think is really funny is you just told people i wasn't going to out you but you told people you're in and i'm not saying how you're involved in 12 steps I, I, but well,
1: you so i'm family so let right. me just just to clarify for people who don't know this and i'll do this public service announcement this psa right? are you okay
0: because i can cut it all out or you, you're oh, okay it's with totally, telling fine. People. totally fine right.
1: we do remain anonymous but hey my real name's not out there so where i am anonymous um i'm not an alcoholic i'm not an addict i have many many family members who are and i have some who are in recovery i attend al-anon which is for the family and friends of al-anon is program that was alcoholics anonymous handed al-anon the wives at the time it was mostly wives the program to create for the family for the for the family disease because everybody gets sick when they're living in that type of environment so absolutely member of al-anon for almost my entire life but this last time I took a small break and I've been now in for almost 17 years. So 16 years I've been back in. It's a huge part of my life and why I'm saying. Well,
0: so people. like uh, what I'm not telling people, because I went for the joke, is there's a lot of different types of CBD products. I've yeah. seen them online. I also know people who use them and you can. It, first of all it's legal in a lot of states, not all it's states. All,
1: it's legal in all oh, 50 states. CBD. That stuff
0: is. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. CBD That's it's not, it's not right. So some people sell CBD that also has THC, which is yeah. the stuff that gets you high. Right. Uh, so
1: in the CBD world, it ha- in order for it to be legal CBD, it has to have 0.03% or less of THC in it. So my products have both have it with and without because even if you take the 0.3% of THC, what we call full spectrum, you can't get high. I mean, you could drink the whole bottle of oil; you wouldn't get high. You just get a stomach ache.
0: Yeah, that but, sounds awful. I know.
1: <laughs> like, who wants that? But it will show up on a urinalysis. So, for people who have to be drug tested, you know, military, firemen, the UPS driver—they all, you know, they have a CDL; they have to be drug tested. So, we have the alternative product, which is had the THC extracted completely. But wow. both are very beneficial. So I opened this store, and I thought, well, I'll write in between customers. <laughs> I, How's that going? I haven't done any writing.
0: <laughs> How's the business going?
1: It's Well, I'm a little nuts because I opened a brick-and-mortar store in the middle of a pandemic.
0: Yeah, that. Oh. but you live in a place where they don't believe in masks or they distancing?
1: Do them, though. Yeah, they do uh, them here because we did have our, our, our not, a, not a fan of our governor, but he did put a mask mandate in, um, kind of had to, and then he raised it, um, recently because he thought, well, everybody's getting vaccinated, but you know, not everybody was vaccinated yet. And I had to put a sign in my window that said in my business, you will have to wear a mask because, and I, I'm halfway through my vaccination, but even after you know, so anyway, right, um, right. No, I, I, yeah. slowly building. I'm, I am, I have a few moments of panic because I'm not bringing in any income and I've never not been fully self-supporting my entire adult life. And so that kind of freaks me out sometimes. Um, but fortunately, you know, Will makes a very good living. So we're good, but uh, it's slowly creeping up every month. And so that's good. It's getting busier. And you I
0: hope are you comfortable busy. talking about the name of the business or you'd rather not do that?
1: Uh, Yeah, no, it's fine. It's called Your CBD Store, and it's actually a chain where it's a franchise, so we've got about 600 stores nationwide, and there's probably one near you. Where's Um, yours located? Mine's in what's called Ahwatukee, Arizona. is a small village of South Phoenix, so technically it's Phoenix, but it's called Ahwatukee. It's a pretty little city, little town. Uh, They don't like people in Ahwatukee don't want to cross the freeway and come out of their barrier, so I'm really just, I'm servicing that area of, of the city. And, um, you know, it's very, lots of palm trees. It's very pretty. Very so pretty. look, I if
0: people are going to listen to this and go, Eric, not another tattooed girl from the East goes West to live in Arizona, marries and divorces a tattoo artist, CBD yeah. dealing, romance <laughs> like <the> novel. <laughs> yeah, like like, really? Do you just keep getting those? I guess what I'm trying to say is you're very cool. You're unique. And I think that's, it it probably comes through your writing. I haven't read any of your stuff in a very long time because I've been out of the business, but I would bet money that these three books from Kensington are great and that people should stop what they're doing and go buy them and read them.
1: I'm happy Uh, to do
0: that. (laughs) Yeah, I do have to say I'm, pretty much out of time with you, Dorothy Shaw. Is there anything that you felt like, oh, crap, we didn't do or say this or whatever?
1: No, I mean, we talked about the books. We talked about the CBD. I miss your face. It's wonderful to see you. I know. I I, 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 I am, am
0: thinner than I look on the Zoom. The Zoom look is great, so fantastic. fattening. You uh, look you're fantastic. so nice to your hair me. It
1: looks great, too. It's been it's a on, long time. It, it's longer than it's normal.
0: super gray. Polly wants... So there's the show... There's a French show called Call My Agent. And one of the older agents on it's about talent agents. Okay. And there's this older, very suave agent who has very long gray hair. And she's like, I want you to get that. And I learned that I, I'm a listener. I know it's not crazy long for people who are listening. It and my hair is not that long now. It's but nice. I used to, it used to be like a crew cut. I kept it very yeah. short. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like that anymore. She called that my. She called those my Auschwitz ears. <laughs> That, By the way, I love my wife. She didn't mean any disrespect. And people who know me know I'm Jewish. And it's okay with me that you call them that. If you have a problem, you can write me at isthatreallylegal.com. Otherwise, I love you, Dorothy. It's been so fun. Nice. Thank you for being on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: That was Dorothy Shaw. Please subscribe to this podcast. Keep the fun coming every week. You'll get it automatically downloaded to your device if you do that sort of thing. Go to Abe's Muffins. Fill your face with Abe's Muffins. They're allergen free. They taste fantastic. Chocolate chip muffins. Lemon poppy seed muffins. Um, They also have chocolate brownies. They are a game changer. They are a life changer. Go to the website IsThatReallyLegal.com, leave me messages, tell me how much you love or hate the show. Um, It's almost a year now that we've been doing this show and um, keep listening as we come down close to that year. Um, There's gonna be lots of great guests. Um, I hope you enjoy it as much as I've been enjoying doing it. Wear your mask, get your vaccine. We are so close to getting back to touching each other seeing each other, going out to dinner. But don't rush it. Do it the way you need to do. Get the vaccine. Mask yourself. Take care of your friends, yourself, your loved ones. Just keep doing what you need to do so you can keep listening to Is That Really Legal? with Eric Rubin. And we'll see you next time.